time I really wanted to remember that uh, that wall banner you gave me that had the giant pentagram. Oh yeah. So I for a long time I really wanted to hang that on like a mm-hmm. just an inch or two away from the wall, mm-hmm. just cover the wall. But right behind it, I just wanted to cover it in kink gear. Do it. Like you know. Uh, crops and flogs and ropes mm-hmm. and all that jazz. I just thought it'd be really funny to be like, you want to see what's behind that? Exactly what you expected. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> it's surprising because you expected it. <laughs> You're just like, surely he's not going to have bondage gear. Oh, yep, yeah, yep, he did. He cool. sure did. Cool, I'm in the start of a giallo film. <laughs> I love this for me. Is Johnny Stab Hands going to break out a knife prison? <laughs> well, let me get my leather driving gloves. And- mm. Yeah, right. Honestly, though, you're one of the few people I know that could like pull off leather driving gloves and it's not like a concern. Yeah. yeah. You're just it's like, that's just his vibes and it's okay. The thing is, they're a statement piece. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't understand the statement being made. <laughs> like, you can't just wear those <laughs> with, with any vibe. Mm-mm, that's no. when it gets weird. You have to look very classy or you have to look uh, hard as fuck yeah you have to look like you're ready to drive a ferrari or murder a prostitute those are your two options <laughs> those, those are your two energies with the leather driving gloves <laughs> and i feel like i can slot into either depending on my mood yeah, yeah. D- and the the uh the, the the use of a sports jacket or not right because i think out of our scum fuck friends like you're one of the few that can actually pull off like dressing classier and it not just look like you're putting on your dad's suit i don't own a suit I own many, and I never have worn them. They're all inheritance suits. Mm. <laughs> well, I, uh, that's not true. I wore, I've worn suits since then. One of the first suits that I actually enjoyed wearing mm-hmm. was a suit of one of my uh, friends at the time's dead grandpa. Nice. Yeah, his grandpa died, and then like two days later, he came over to mm-hmm. hang out with all of us, and he broke brought over these like duffel bags of clothes, and he's like, "Check this out, guys." It was all old, like, you know, 60s and 70s stuff. Hell yeah. And all of us just took stuff. And then I took this suit. I put it on. I wore it to school the next day. All of us in the friend group were wearing a dead man's clothes to school the next day. And someone was like, you don't usually wear brown and tan and suits. What's up with that? And I was like, oh, it's a dead guy's. (laughs) And they were like, what? And I was like, yeah. That's generally how vintage works. Right. But, like, we knew that dead guy, which was a little bit different, I guess. But they were like... That's that's weird, man. I'm like, is it? I think it's kind of cool. Dead guy wore these. Mm-hmm. I'm wearing dead guy's clothes. <laughs> <laughs> Real Hakata energy. <laughs> I wear the fetters I create or I, I carry. <laughs> oh no. That could be good or a problem. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of a problem, hi and welcome to Blank Bodies, <laughs> a Vampire the Masquerade V5 tabletop and horror podcast. I'm your host, Hunter, and as always, I'm joined by John and Sarah. Yeah. Yeah. So we got a episode that kind of spiraled today, um, but that, you know, that's fun. Um, we are talking about the Hunter v5 bonus content pack they put out we're talking about the world of darkness expanded mechanics uh pdf they put out and sarah made a very interesting discovery about that i've I've made some i've made some discoveries about both these things in ways that i'm like ah yes good so v5 we we all are enjoying h5 i am enjoying i understand some other people aren't but you know what uh that's okay i I don't dislike it 
but I feel like it just needs a little bit more. It's It's been getting a little undersold, and we found some some goodies that hopefully we can present and be like, ah, yes, nice. A, uh, W5 is on the works, and then I found found a note, but we'll get into it. Yeah. I, I will note that everything we're talking about today is free, and not only it's free, but it's something I haven't seen a lot of people talk about. These are definitely some core things to throw into your toolkit, if you're a player or a storyteller, I think. Right. Especially if you're a storyteller, there's some really handy dandy notes and things that should make running the game easier. I added in sections that I was just like, ah, things that I as a storyteller or a player have run into. If not every session, at least every fucking game I've been in, these things have come up and we were all just like, I don't know. So now we have uh, some guidelines. So hooray. Thank you. We have them now. Yay. Hurrah. So uh, just general world of darkness uh, shenanigans and chicanery and... Yeah, so hopefully these are helpful things for everybody. So I'm, I'm going to start off with the World of Darkness Expanded Storyteller Mechanics PDF. It is free. You can just download it from the World of Darkness site directly. It was part of the World of Darkness October month of giveaways uh, in 2022. This, exta- this contains expanded mechanics for all current and future World of Darkness 5 5th Ed game lines. Big note on that. This is stuff that will help all of the systems. So even if you're like, I don't want to run vampire, I'm going to be running werewolf. You can just download this and just have it in your pocket for use, including a note that I love, which is uh, from the artistic creation sections on page two of the PDF, which is a mage might compose vast murals of occult graffiti. So mage five is potentially on the table. I'm hoping maybe. Maybe. Uh, Oh my God. I'd fucking Mm -hmm. love it. If a mage used like um city sanctioned graffiti walls mm-hmm. as their like library mm-hmm. would be fucking wet rad that'd be rad as fuck that'd be super neat yeah go to st louis they have like this two long two mile long wall that they're like here you go guys don't do it on the city instead please do it on this wall and they have like mm-hmm. people from all over the planet come who are like renowned graffiti artists that will mm-hmm. do these works it's cool, cool stuff yeah i walked past one that was like 30 feet long and it was just this giant ass fucking mural mm-hmm. that like started as one style and then dipped into a different and then into a different because there was a whole crew that came in. Oh, it was really neat. That's dope. Anyway, fuck. it'd be cool to have a mage that does uses uses that for it, magic. It would be cool to have a mage as a as a player character in this game system, and yeah. it maybe be balanced slightly. Yeah, balanced <laughs> is the thing. I'll play mage. If, uh, I'll play mage five if it's balanced. I'm curious if they're putting starting to put feelers out. If werewolf comes out, Gen Con big announcement. Yeah, mages in the works. That That'd would be, be cool. that would be sick. Uh, considering how uh more free the game system is in vampire i've not really fucked with hunter so much in fifth ed but with how uh able you are to calibrate dice pools in vampire i'm like i feel like that should the hunger dice system should transfer over into like a paradox dice system i feel like pretty intuitively so i'm very like fingers crossed please 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 it would be dope I would like all my supernatural homies to hang out in the same room and yell at each other and do friend flirting and whatever the fuck you're going to do for your game. Uh, there are some notes I wanted to get from the core book, which uh, Advanced Conflict, page 295, has rules for variant dice mechanics and suggested dice pools for various actions. I found a lot of those are helpful for mortal and ghoul games that I have run. I would assume they'd also work for Hunter. And uh, we covered these details on episode 10, combat and sp- Social and physical and episode 14 skills, specialty craft macaroni and cheese on this podcast. So, you know, if you're if you're you running games, look at that. yeah, if you're running games, and you want more help outside of what we're talking about right now. 
The book has some shit in the core book, and then we have also covered stuff in previous episodes. So hooray. Basics of this, there's a bunch of rules, things that will help. There's charts. There's actually charts for things. It's nice. I'm not going to go into all of them. Charts? Yes. Charts, you say? There are charts. God damn. The thing I keep asking for, where I'm like, I just just want some guidelines. Just some standards, like references that all of us can agree on and go like, okay, here's the base. So we all understand where we are. And if you need to change things up for the rule of cool, go for it. Fuck it. Rule of cool is very important. Yes, yeah, so those exist now. It's great, but uh, I'm just going to highlight some shit that uh, has literally come up in either every fucking game session I have ever played in or run, or at some point comes up in a chronicle and we're all just kind of staring at each other going, oh, fuck, what is the rule for that? So proceeding on, um, the, the, the guide is broken down into mental tests, physical tests, social tests, and then some uh, combat and maneuvering rules. So we're going to follow that format. So in the mental test, computer use. Uh, Computers are as essential to modern chronicles as they are dangerous, and clever characters can use them for everything from finding information to sabotaging security systems to sharing damning photos of the rivals across social media. Computers exist. Use them in your games. They're great. Uh, Basically, they did make a note of most basic skills require or assume some computer or internet use. Like if you're like, I need to find a restaurant. You're probably going to go on to app, Google Maps or whatever the fuck. Apple Safari? Whatever the fuck they use? I don't know. That's the web browser. Apple yeah. Maps. Apple Maps. I don't know. I think know. it's just called Maps. Is it just Maps? I don't fucking use it. I think. Yeah. Apple. <laughs> they did have notes for if you're going to be doing any computer hacking via using coded script, the recommended dice pool is intelligence and tech versus the uh, difficulty of the system. So like an average corporate security would be like difficulty four. A more secure database would be a six. Hacking the NSA would be 8+. plus. So, you know, have fun with that. If you want to do uh, hackers, go for it. Uh, there's also a note about hacking versus uh, via social engineering. So, you know, like phishing scams, uh, you know, uh, Nigerian chain mails, that kind mm-hmm. of shit. Uh, they recommend manipulate plus subterfuge or intelligence plus streetwise. So there's multiple ways to get people's passwords. You can do that and not have to be a hacker man with like five dots in tech. Yay. Woo. That's funny. I've been um, working on my own game system and mm-hmm. I've been working with a friend of mine. And one of the suggestions he made was similar along the lines. He's like, what if we make all hacking just like essentially a charisma pool role? Because that's what yeah. 90% of hacking these days is. I mean, we had to go through like a small like training at work because mm-hmm. like the biggest um, the biggest way people get hacked right now is you get an email that's like, from someone way higher up in, than you and your company. And they're like, hey, we're doing an employee appreciation thing. I need you to um, go buy a bunch of gift cards and give me the codes so that we can hand them out to people. Yeah. Oh, that's tricky. Ugh. What they do, one of the ones that they used for my company that they used as an, ex- uh, an excuse was, it's like, it's again from somebody high up in the company or just somebody else in the company. Mm-hmm. And they'll be like... You know, it'll the email address will be slightly different. Like there might be a, a period in the middle of a word or one letter's capitalized where it shouldn't be or something like that. Um, but it'll be like, hey, we're having a billing issue with this customer. Will you go ahead and send us their billing information so we can, you know, work that out with them? Mm-hmm. And then if you do it, you just gave a, a sensitive hacker, information sensitive, like Ooh. to big corporations sometimes, you know? Mm hmm. So, yeah, have fun with that, guys, as players and storytellers. Wild stuff. Fucking, yeah. Don't do that out there, guys. Oh, it, God. It, it hurts the people that accidentally click on it. 
Yeah. It also hurts the corporation, which is always nice. But like, yeah. yeah. Uh, so another thing that comes up all the time and people are just like, I don't know what to do is perception checks. Well, that's in real life, by the way. <laughs> Hack the corporations in your game. Hack you the want. planet. <laughs> but yeah, perception checks. Uh, this seems to come up as a like people are like, I don't know what to do with this in World of Darkness because I'm used to just perception just being a, a D20 roll. Uh, not anymore. So most perception pools are going to be some attribute with the awareness skill. And it gives some recommendations on different ways to uh, pair these things. So wits is kind of more recommended for noticing something in the moment. The the examples given are like hearing something shuffle or feeling like a puff of air revealing a hidden door. Just kind of one of those like huh, mm-hmm. moments. Uh, intelligence would be recommended for recognizing something. So whether this is like hearing a guard on rotation or spotting someone wearing camouflage like out in the woods and you're like, that's a ghillie suit. That's not a bush. I know what those look like. <laughs> so there's that. Would that also count for like... Um... You've seen that weird symbol painted on that wall. Yeah. It was in a book that you read six years ago. I would say, like, yeah, if you're wanting to do an intelligence and awareness check and, uh, yeah, you're just like, oh, yeah, no, you're at this club. And then you realize, like, oh, you recognize that symbol as belonging to this occult group or this gang or mm-hmm. you're like, just, you know. This is this vampire claiming his territory over this club. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Or like, oh, that's the business logo for this company, which, you know, is a shell company owned by... Th- the fucking prince. I don't know. Various options for that. And then resolve is given as finding details while distracted. So being able to hear someone whilst a bunch of fire alarms are going off, or you happen to find a detail during a large long study session, or you're like going through files and like, you know, the fucking news reels. And then suddenly you're like, Oh wait, wait, I found a thing. You uh mm-hmm. you notice the uh, Nosferatu slip his hand into the into his breast pocket while his uh, Bruja buddy's yelling at you. Yeah, you're getting chewed out by somebody, and then you just happen to like look over them, and you're just like, I see what you're doing there. Yeah, somebody else is reaching into their pocket here. What's going on? Yeah, or you know, there's just something going on at Elysium, and then during the chaos, you're able to kind of like pinpoint. Oh, somebody's sneaking out the back door. Mm-hmm gonna put that in my brain pan for later <laughs> see i find I, f- I think this is really interesting because normally when i run as st i must always just use wits and awareness mm-hmm. it is nice to have a couple different options yeah yeah, yeah. you know it, it also allows different player characters to highlight different skills because yeah i generally use wits and awareness as kind of my standard baseline and then if you as a player want to go actually pushes glasses up bridge of nose um may i roll this dice pool instead because this is kind of how i'm handling the situation and storytelling be like yeah go for it uh the 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 book gave the note that i liked was storytellers should be asking how much the action depends on instinct or sensory acuity versus memory recognition or pure mental focus Mm. so it's kind of a good way to get people more into character and invested into things to be like okay yeah i get that you're investigating the room but like how are you going about it? Like, are you going through it very Sherlock Holmes? Are you going through it and actually, like, with a fine-tooth comb collecting details? Are you just, like, ripping drawers open and just kind of hoping you find some shit? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, a couple different ways you can handle that. It's fun. Uh, the last one we're going to cover from the mental test section is preparedness, which is something that has fucking been a kick in the ass so many times. The quote I'm borrowing from this section is, uh, nothing slows a story down more than a lengthy inventory scene in which players list every conceivable item or object they may need for tonight's activities. The preparedness test avoids this scenario by allowing players to test during the session to see if they remember to bring something along or to pick it up earlier. 
Some people like doing the checklist scenes where they're going over their gear and I'm not going to take that away from you if that's something y'all enjoy. But there's times where you're like in the moment and then you're just like, oh, fuck, do I actually have this? You can just roll this test and be like, well, let's see if you remembered. Yeah, yeah, I, I like the idea of like a Coterie group, like having the gear up scene mm-hmm. where you're actually taking the time to like, OK, we're bringing our, you know, our knife and our rope and our... Mm-hmm. Uh, so-and-so is making sure to grab his gun and I got my car keys and like mm-hmm. you're actually having you know like in the uh the like in aliens 2 oh aliens? yeah where they're having the gearing up scene exactly yeah, yeah, yeah every gear up scene those are kind of fun to have in a role-playing game sometimes but yeah I totally agree that it's like did I remember to bring a lighter oh. who fucking cares like just you know let's find out I I tend to have a rule of um if it's something that I or someone I know would just have in their pocket anyway, I tend to always say yes. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, lighter. Oh, you need a pocket knife. Like little things like that. Is it really going to make a big impact on the story by using ST being like, nope, you forgot your lighter? Or is it just going to deflate the scene and that sort of thing? I think that's good to keep in mind too. Um, also, we've been running Shadowrun, and like our last session was literally just everyone sitting down, like bullshitting and buying stuff for a heist coming up and making plans and stuff. Like that is a whole type of gameplay that's like not inherent to vampire, but I think can easily be used in any type oh, of yeah. role playing game. Like if your players are gearing up for something big and you want to take the time to have those scenes, like then I think you should be a little more strict. It's like. We spent three hours prepping what you guys thought you're going to need with this. No one once said, hmm, we might need some extra climbing rope or something. So you don't have it. Whereas if you're more, we're doing the story and we're banging through it. I think this is a great rule. If you don't want to do that, like, all right, everyone make like plan together kind of thing. This smooths that out a lot. Yeah. And I think that Vampire is more of a game that I think it's better for Vampire to smooth through that most of the time um the shadow run i think is definitely like you're supposed to plan the heist and like get into the nitty-gritty of how you're going to go about doing stuff because then it's more exciting when you're like all right we're going to break open the vault door and you break open the vault door and that's when the lone star in full like you know combat Mm -hmm. armor standing there with his machine gun Uh (laughs) uh-oh yeah basically the guide basically agrees with what you guys said um the the guide recommends player characters do not need to roll for signature or ordinary items and i kind of made the note of like making the sheriff roll to have their crossbow or a hunter that hunter by night but emt during the day to have fucking bandages on them is fucking weird yeah yeah like if it's stuff that would make sense for you to just kind of have on your person just eh, just hand wave it it's not that deep um the the guide recommends that this test should be intelligence and the related skill for the item so like if you're somebody who's into the occult, uh, int plus occult to remember it if you brought, like, your tarot cards or, you know, mm-hmm. chalk for writing sigils, that kind of shit. Um, int versus firearms to see if you remembered to bring, like, an extra magazine or extra bullets. Or... Right. That kind yeah. of shit. Um, a storyteller should ask for the role if failure would be interesting or setting the DC based on the availability of the item. So... It would make more sense for the biker to have access to cocaine than the clean cup, like suburbanite, was kind of my thought on that. Right. right. So yeah. it's like, okay, well, one of you is definitely going to have a Zippo. One of you might mm-hmm. very well have like a palm tablet to do research on the fly. Like, mm-hmm. and having it character based, I think, just not just stat based makes a lot of sense too. Yeah. And sometimes kind of having these preparedness 
sequences and stories can lead to some character building because like I tend to like playing jackknife characters so I tend to have characters that just have a bag just full of just fucking nonsense that everyone's like why why would you have these things and uh, I like trying to break stories with just mundane items (laughs) if I can get through the plot with a bolt cutter I'm doing great but you know other people don't want to play games like that or you know you're doing kind of uh Games that have more, like, gangster or mafia themes. So, like, having that guy having a bag in his car with, like, a change of clothes mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah. Other characters might not have that because they're like, oh, fuck, well, you left your gym bag at home. So, like, what you got is what you got. Oops. Right. That And I would say, too, I know with Vampire, you're saying it's a little bit more of a just kind of go for it. And having those roles is nice. I also think from the vibe that they were trying to put through with mm-hmm. hunter i think the whole point is them collecting information and essentially planning a heist or mm. a planning like you're you planning gotta, ops you got to get this you got to go you got to view your target get the information and then having like a tar- a time where you all sit down and actually make a plan like set up a strike how are you going to do this what are you going to need i think makes more sense in the vibe that they wanted hunter to have mm-hmm. and so less just rolling for it and more being like okay, we're going to plan this out unless your characters aren't going to plan it out, which is a whole different can of worms than just saying. Right. Yeah. Um, I guess in preparing for uh, the coming werewolf apocalypse, haha, uh, having werewolf characters that, you know, you're going to be probably at some point running uh, some sort of collective action against Pentax and the worm and all that kind of stuff. So it's like, yeah, I as a storyteller would like you guys to have some fucking organization planning meeting, but am I going to make the former Boy Scout roll to make sure that he has a fucking knife on him? No, that's fucking silly. I'm like, yeah, of course you have your fucking pocket knife on you. Yeah. But, it, you know, and like the if there's a werewolf character who is like a fashion person and I'm like, yeah, if you want to make a fucking flamethrower out of hairspray and a lighter, I'm not going to stop you. It would make sense that you have that. But like the social outcast nerd guy i'm not expecting to have a can of hairspray on him so i might make you roll to be like yeah if you, sure let's see if you have it he might have a can of axe though yeah i was i was yeah thinking that same <laughs> yeah, thing. yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but you, yeah you kind of see where i'm going <laughs> yeah. from where it's like okay yeah it's like certain items that make sense for people to just have on them because you're just gonna have shit yeah but if it would be a kind of a fun uh-oh turns out you don't have your utility screwdriver so how are you gonna break through this door or open the panel mm-hmm. now you gotta figure shit out you can make it fun. I think I think that's the real answer here is you have to make it interesting if you're going to tell a player no or if you're going to make them roll it to find out. If they're rolling, you better have an interesting response to either end of that dice roll. And if even if the interesting thing is, okay, you do it. You have the thing. You're good to go. Do it yeah. the way you expect. Yeah. That's fine. But like if you're going to say no and then just stone the wall them, like, sorry, I guess you can't walk into the adventure we planned. Yeah. That, don't, yeah, don't do that. Yeah. That, Using this to build tension, I think, is good. Or using it as a moment where, yeah, you, this particular PC doesn't have the thing, but somebody else in the group can be like, oh, yeah, I can lend you, like, my fucking knife. And then you guys are, like, building a friendship of trust and da-da-da-da-da. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You can use it as character-building moments. Hooray. Huzzah. Moving on. Physical test. There's a section on driving. They do make a note uh, that hunter drive and driving the skill are not the same fucking thing. Yes. All right. Moving on. Mm -hmm. Uh, Quote unquote, nobody needs the driving skill to operate a vehicle normally. Fucking good. Thank God. Now, if you as a player want to be like, I have no points in driving. I can't drive. That's a flaw I have. Fucking great. That's amazing. Like Wyatt. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. I love that shit. Or if you want a house rule like. 
if you have no dots and drive, you can operate a car normally, but you might need a dot to like have a motorcycle because you have to get a special license for that. I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. Yeah, or drive a semi. I would almost, from what I know about that, that would almost make that two dots. But that's up to you as the ST. Um, having like something that specialized commercial for driving. Yeah, but like forcing players to spend XP or creation dots to just be able to operate a fucking sedan. Don't worry about it. Yeah, it's fine. If, the way I've I've always ran it is even with no dots, you can have a car and get to work your daily routine normally, even on the highway. Like, mm-hmm. if literally if your mom or your dad or yourself can do it without any specialized training, it's assumed you can do that with a car. Maybe your character has trouble parallel parking, but like. Well, I was just going to say, come on, man. You already know that, like, driving a semi is, like, a zero to one dot thing. You deal with (laughs) semi drivers. They have very specialized skills. (laughs) You have to get a special license to operate that kind of a vehicle. Now, uh, the the guide has some interesting notes for driving pools that I liked. Um, If you're doing complex maneuvers, that might be a dex and driving check. I... Oh, you're good. If you're doing, uh, if you're driving and there's bad road conditions, whether it is weather or obstacles or, you know, traffic zones or whatever, that might turn into a uh, wits and driving because you're having to go, oh, fuck, and handle things on the fly. Uh, The difficulty, difficulty on these will depend on the conditions. Standard driving uh, difficulty for a light, regular ass vehicle is a three. If you're driving a heavy or unwieldy vehicle, that might bump it to a four. So I would say probably driving a semi would be a four hmm. or like a Ford F-150 or like you have a trailer on the back of the car or a mattress tied to the top of the car. I don't know. It's interesting they uh, they used these for the driving because I was doing some reading. I can't remember mm-hmm. if this was in a book or if it was just research I found online. Maybe it was a homebrew thing. But they also had a resolve and drive mm-hmm. as a as a possible option if it's like a um you're in a rush hour traffic or a stressful mm-hmm. situation while you're driving um yeah re- resolve and drive to keep cool and still like I, yeah i think that would be good for to. like a prolonged like you're dealing with prolonged traffic yeah like a five o'clock rush hour or if you're doing a hey you're gonna be driving for like a few hours for a road trip do a resolve and drive just to give me an overall like how does the trip go how do you feel mm. at the end did you have any complications right see i was almost gonna suggest i don't know i back in my band days i've definitely mm-hmm. been there but just like long overnight drives where it's like 4 a.m and you're the only one awake like oh like yeah. stamina and drive you could almost do just to be like all right you like you're exhausted you've been up for uh 16 hours straight now you're the only one awake and you're you know, you got to get out of the state before the werewolves get you or whatever. Like, oh, yeah. How many poppers are you going to slam for this? Well, especially because the one I was talking about was mm-hmm. my ghoul. Oh, yeah. So, like, for sure. Homeboy was drinking a lot of coffee. <laughs> Hell, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, for each possible complication, you can add a plus one to the difficulty. If it's an extreme condition, add a plus two. So, if you are driving your semi-truck through a snowstorm and a werewolf decides to attack your semi-truck, uh. you're getting... A total, your 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 DC is like six, potentially or more. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty brutal. Yeah, it can get really brutal. Uh, failing the roll could slow down or stop the driver. A uh, complete failure might mean a spin out or a crash. Yeah. I I would also give bonus dots to certain characters. Um, mm-hmm. like, yeah, like your situation with the werewolf chasing the semi driver, like that's terrifying. 
and in the middle of winter but like what if that he's a nice road trucker that's just normal driving for him you yeah might bump that down a little bit too even mm-hmm. if the, that's the standard this guy's not a standard driver so. yeah so right, at that point it right. might be like for him driving on the ice is not an extreme condition so that would be a plus one but the werewolf is a plus two right yeah. so like eh, mm-hmm. oopsie poodle so you know eh, calibrate as you need but these are some guidelines to keep in mind that are i think good rules of thumb as an st to be like oh yeah blah mm-hmm. uh the next one intrusion uh intrusion covers <gasps> breaking and entering I physically like evading security devices picking locks cracking safes and preventing others from doing the same this happens all the fucking time in every fucking world of darkness game i don't give a fuck what system you're playing and how you're mixing your modules this yep. comes up all the time so intrude oh sorry go ahead oh, okay in one of my games i currently have a character that is like pretty much solely based on the word intrusion (laughs) (laughs) perfect yeah so intrusion pools are usually some sort of attribute plus larceny the guide gives a bunch of examples like dexterity and larceny would be for like lock picking or dodging like physically dodging security systems uh intelligence and larceny could be used for safe cracking bypassing alarms and setting up security systems uh wits and larceny could be used for like noticing hidden cameras uh, just kind of like situational awareness involving these kinds of things. Well, that's just like pattern recognition. It's like yeah. a, it's like an awareness check, but pattern recognition because you yeah. know what to look for for that specifically. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you might even have specialties involved in like being able to be like, ah, yes, I am aware that this security company does their checks at this time of day. So I'm aware to be on the lookout for XYZ. Mm-hmm. Uh, and strength and larceny can be involved in like breaking a lock cleanly. Dear God, the amount of things I've found on uh, TikTok that have made me go, oh, yeah, padlocks are bullshit. Yes. (laughs) Padlocks are bullshit. An aluminum can can get around a padlock. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's great. And the DC of the check will depend on the situation, obviously. So DC one, many stored bot locks. No. Yeah. Just uh, literally, I'm mostly just testing this just to make sure you don't fail. Yeah. You're going to get it. But like, does the guard notice that you did this? (laughs) yeah that's uh i would i mean most locks when you lock your front door or something it's not that oh people can't get in it's oh i put a barrier that's most people are going to be too lazy to deal with yeah it's it's mostly impediments yeah but yeah so dc four or five for most commercial slash public buildings for their security ratings uh a dc six or seven for like bank vaults secured areas eight plus for hazardous material storage that makes sense yeah so it's like mm, if you're getting into places where like you know the 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 spicy substances are it's probably gonna be real hard to get in there yeah yeah so uh also at the same time mm-hmm. you'd be surprised right it's upsetting <laughs> it's kind of terrifying how easy it is to get into places sometimes. <laughs> yeah, <I know>. that's <laughs> why just, i was like you just walk in <laughs> yeah four or five for most commercial and public buildings i feel like it's a fair dc of like okay yeah and just like you know as long as you're not stupid and also if you prepare right you should be good the guide does oh go ahead a dc8 plus that would make sense for hazardous materials if the hazardous material storage was like a raytheon facility oh yeah you know but if it was like i don't know your local blood bank those have hazardous materials in them Mm -hmm. i I I would say that's not as difficult to get in i think it depends on the hazardous material like bloods or like a sharps container it's not going to be hard to get into but like I like the idea of like a group of hunters. We need to get into this like labs clean room to get this specific chemical because we know it'll help us against this werewolf Mm -hmm. or whatever. Like, I think that's an interesting, I think that's like, you could have whole heist game where it's like, all right, we got to break in and get these specific things so we can kill the ghost. 
right. with this specific chemical or whatever. <laughs> I like I like that. That could yeah. that could be fun. Uh, the guide does recommend that uh, these kinds of tests must succeed on the first attempt, or an alert will happen. I dig that. So you know, it's very you know solid snake like. <laughs> yeah. So, and you can kind of gauge like how intense the uh, failure correlates to how much of the alert happens, and. Yeah. Use that to guide attention for your chronicle. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Like, if you're just trying to get into, like, a high school locker, like, padlock, and you fail, it's like someone might just be like, do you hear something? Eh. Or worse, the lock gets jammed, so now you have to, like, shake it a bunch and cause a bunch of loud noise. Yeah. Oh, my God, a hunter campaign with a bunch of high schoolers. God. I ha- just fucking morons. <laughs> A bunch you of gotta teenagers. get into so and so's locker. Well, I had this locker three years ago, and I know that if you kick it in this one spot while pulling up on the top of the thing, it just unlocks itself. But it'll make a noise, and that might alert somebody. Exactly. So, you know. <laughs> There's a Chronicles book I think we've mentioned before that we should do an episode on. I believe it's called The Innocence. Yeah, we've talked about it's that. It's just yeah. all a guide on running uh, like children up through like high schoolers and maybe even like some college age people. Weird. Coterie. I think that would be. I think mm. that would be cool. I think it. it I feel like part of me feels like playing that age group could be really interesting and a lot of fun, but it is so easy to get real squicky. Because World of Darkness. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. (laughs) I mean, we we can do a whole episode about it. I think it would equally tie into consent and like sub settings and and an easy Mm -hmm. introduction before we start doing like dark ages or something. But oh, for sure. Um, I do I do like that idea because like it is very like. Fright night. Like, what do you do if you're a bunch of fucking high schoolers and you find out the neighbors are probably a vampire? And you gotta like break into the shed. Yeah, like that 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 lower bar, but I feel like it increases the tension and it'd be fun. Oh hell yeah. Um yeah, the guide also getting back into intrusions. Uh items and situations can affect the DC or the intrusion pool. So margins of success when setting up a security system should be added to the base DC of a system. So if you have a player character that is like, hey, I'm spending time and money and resources to secure my haven or base of operations. If they want to go through that project and they want to roll for that and they roll whatever the margin is, go ahead and just add that. Mm. They're like, hey, I'm bumping up security because I pissed off somebody. I'm worried they're going to fuck with my shit. And it's like, okay, cool. Your base rating will now be this because you spent the time and effort to do the roll as opposed to what your base rating is. And then you guys can kind of art- like articulate amongst each other how long that bonus rating is going to be because it might be like yeah you can keep paying for your boosted security but like you know your resources is only this many dots so you can only do it for x amount of time before you start taking hits on your resources right yeah kind of thing so it's like yeah keep that in mind uh lacking proper tools adds difficulty so if you're having to improvise lock picking um so if you're using diy tools instead of specially made things that might subtract one from your pool yeah you got a hairpin and not a proper scrape if you're using a hairpin which are bad improvised tools that might be a negative two Mm. so you're just like you're completely just like ah fuck i got mugged so my lock picks are fucked or i was in a chase and it fell out of my pocket right i don't have anything but i can jimmy this door open with like a credit card that might add that might take away from your dice pool right just because you're like ah fuck i wasn't actually ready for this Mm -hmm. um Man, I love these things. Some my brain immediately just goes to the weirdest situations mm-hmm. though all the time and I'm like, "Well, what about <laughs> if you had an aluminum can like I said earlier and you wanted to make a shim out of it to just shim open the padlock?" That would be a craft roll. I might have you, you do, do it quickly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I might have you do a craft roll and then if you fail that, that's going to just up the difficulty because there might be somebody a time dependent. Right. Or somebody you just might made see a you. Shitty shim. Yeah, and then it's like, "Well, 
That would have only taken away one, but you did bad, so it's minus two now. I'm sorry. Yeah. Or you're fucking around with a Coke can and you made a lot of noise because it's aluminum. Or right. you're cutting up sharp aluminum and you fuck your finger up a little bit. Yeah. Fair. And now you you've don't... left burrs on the ground and you've left evidence now. Which yeah. is why everyone, if you're going to have aluminum shims, just make a couple before you leave home. Yeah, this is just life advice. <laughs> uh, speaking of life advice, uh, you are allowed to use intelligence and tech uh to crack a purely electronic security system at a plus one difficulty that's kind of cool so that's a good little like hey if you're uh if you like you're having a bad time but somebody else in your party's like just fucking get out of the way and just like boop 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 Mm -hmm. they might be able to take a whack at it intelligence and tech may be required to gain uh control of certain security systems so you might need a guy on your team makes sense yeah Hmm. more reasons to have character connections hell yeah Shadowing and Pursuit. These are two different sections, but they kind of bleed into each other, so I just made it one. Uh, Shadowing is when one character shadows another by keeping them in sight, ideally without them being noticed. That's what that is. Uh, The Shadower, when they're not spotted, should be rolling Wits and Awareness versus the Shadowees, Resolve and Streetwise. Because they don't know they're being followed. They're just kind of going about their day, minding their business. If the Shadower is spotted but is not aware of this fact... They will continue to roll wits and awareness, and the person who's being pursued uh, can roll wits and stealth, wits and streetwise, or wits and awareness to avoid being followed and or giving away the fact that they're aware of what's going on. Hmm. So you can have a whole cat versus mouse sequence with like the shadower running through the city and they're just rolling the same pool and having no idea they've been fucked. Yeah. <laughs> and you as a storyteller can just like DM the other character and just be like, hey, yeah, by the way, start rolling this other dice pool instead. We're not telling him. Nice. <laughs> nice. So that's fun. Um, the situation can't affect these pools. You generally, this award is given to the party who is aware of the situation. So if you are the shadower and the other person doesn't know they're being pursued, you, you will usually get these bonuses. But if the other person is aware, they'll start getting these bonuses. So hooray. And uh, then if you're both aware, they just cancel each other out. Yeah, That changes what this is. Oh, okay. <laughs> so uh, you get a plus one die if the area is busy. You get a plus two uh, to the pool if it's crowded or you're in a place where there's a lot of blind slots, like a market or a parking garage or, you know, a hospital. Lots of options. Have fun with this. Yeah. If both sides are aware of the shadowing, it becomes a pursuit. Pursuit! <laughs> this just becomes a chase now. <laughs> So the race uh, between roughly equal parties will result in a basic contest. This could be uh, vehicles, which will be wits and driving because you're trying to keep your eyes on the target. Uh, If you're on foot, this will be some sort of attribute plus athletics. And the book recommends if this is like a marathon of a chase, stamina and athletics. If it's a sprint, it might be strength and athletics. If you're doing hardcore parkour, that will be dex and athletics. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so both sides of the party can decide, like, how you're running. Um, races with help can use teamwork to help each other, aid each other in the pools. Like someone's throwing shit at a dude who's chasing you. Possibly. That is actually race with combatants. Oh. That's when conflict rules get God damn it, I instead. keep jumping just, like, half it's okay. a step forward. It's okay. So races with help might be, like, if you're shadowing and you have, like, multiple people keeping eye on the one uh the one target like sheepdogging someone yeah yeah, yeah. you're trying to sheepdog somebody and then you can use like teamwork tactics this might be something more involved in like hunter really than vampire but vampires can use basically the same shit too i was gonna say like in the movies where like Mm -hmm. the cops or some other group is like stalking someone staking someone out and they're like there's like someone like 
in plain clothes in the like the cafe at the mall being like all right the target is walking through the mezzanine and then you have mm-hmm. another character like up on a balcony being like he has entered the hallway and they're like messaging each other and but- oh yeah yeah that kind of shit or you know you have hacker man that's like breaking through all these like the camera security cameras in the area or using it's very oh god what's that video game where they're hacking phones to track people uh fuck like that where they're just like bouncing through people's digital devices to like keep track or somebody's got a gps thing there's a lot of options but yes you can also have a race with conflict which will evolve with conflict rules uh parties can inflict damage on each other as part of the pursuit using their pursuit pools so hooray that'll be fun uh you can use hazards in the environment as weapon damage nice so if you just want to go full roadrunner looney tunes bullshit uh action i don't know go, fucking go for it do it do I the mean, things that's that's literally like uh someone's chasing you you grab the aluminum trash can and whip it at them as you're running away oh yeah kind of thing yeah oh yeah for sure uh you know uh fucking squealing around a corner and like knocking into the cabbage cart right you know you have all sorts of options have fun with these yeah. um any combatant may concede the chase at any point allowing the pursuer to catch up or the query to flee so yeah, if you were the if the you as a storyteller, the NPC decide to give up, you can. If you as the player are just like, yeah, there's literally no way I can catch this guy, or there's no way I can get away, you're allowed to concede at any point. So I definitely like the idea of running chases and races and oh, that yeah. sort of thing as combats. Like mm-hmm. I like to use initiative and like. These people aren't trying to necessarily harm each other. Maybe one's trying to harm the other and not the other way around. Um, I think, like, running it as initiative keeps it on its toes. And, like, you can have, like, this guy's chasing this guy and the other party is there. Like, you could just have the two run initiative and then be like, all right, and what's the rest of you doing? Every rotation to keep it, like, interesting. Even if they're, like, assisting watching, like, we were talking with the spotting or something. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. I think it's a way to keep combat a little more interesting than just throwing punches at each other right oh yeah because i've run sequences like that with our games because for some reason you psychos like to run vampire but very tactically (laughs) so i've got multiple things happening at once and i've used the initiative rules from the core book in that advanced conflict section that i mentioned earlier they have rules for this i i mentioned it too i think in our um combat episode but you know I, i love the idea of like the two vampires like being like caddy over a game of chess while the rest of the party's like in the mansion sneaking around or like mm-hmm. at, dealing with the henchman while he's like no this guy is my problem mm-hmm. yeah like that or like this the same situ- i love the idea of the same situation of like you know the ventru and their la sombra enemy right now are playing chess for the rights to this club or something and then downstairs you got the gangrel and bruja just beating the shit out of every employee that la sombra has (laughs) yeah (laughs) like there's an actual bar brawl going on while the two like money men are like we'll settle this like gentlemen yeah Mm. check (laughs) check and then Uh. someone gets thrown over the bar (laughs) oh yeah or you could even have like uh i i had a game session recently where me as the ventru and then the bruja were running distraction during a heist where we were playing the band for a company event so we had that going simultaneously while the torridor and the malkavian were doing the actual heist nice so we were like bouncing between the two uh i love that shit Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and uh yeah you can use a lot of the shadowing and pursuit things these are some good rules of thumbs i enjoy this moving on social test standard social feat modifiers there is a fucking table now 
Ooh, actually, question oh. real quick. Um, yes. For you personally, I'm yeah. sure this is you know d- dependent on your DM style or uh, ST style. Would you use the pursuit and shadowing, or would you use drive for people, someone pursuing someone in a car? I would probably use uh, shadowing and pursuit uh, rules, though, depending on because uh, there is information about using a vehicle mm, okay, or doing yeah, yeah. vehicle pursuits. But if you need to for uh, reasons to change up things for your game, just fucking do it. Yeah, I, it's I, okay. I think my question would be: Would you? Are you doing the Grand Theft Auto mission where you have to stay two cars lengths back and like mm-hmm. slowly follow someone somewhere, mm-hmm. or do they know they're after me and now I'm blazing through the city, weaving through traffic, trying to catch them? Right. Or is it? we're doing that while also like firing guns at each other yeah. or I mean, it really depends on what's happening with those cars. Yeah. Cause this cool. could also just be like spy versus spy kind of a thing yeah. uh, where you're trying, both parties are trying to not get the, the police involved. So you're like pursuing each other and there's aggressive driving happening, but you're trying to keep it like within the parameters of the law. So you both don't get like whoop whooped. Right. Or opposite, it could be a fucking street race and you're Mm -hmm. running drive against each other while also weaving through traffic and like, here comes the cops or like, if you want to go full fast and the furious with your uh, vampire game, but like, oh no, his, his buddies are here and they're trying to fuck you over in the middle of the street race. Right. Like you could go really interesting places with it. Hell yeah. There was one time I had to roll, I would say probably a pursuit on this one person because I was driving and they cut me off and I'm not like a road ragey person. But their uh, back windshield said something along the lines of, like, uh, want enlightenment? Follow me, you dummy. And so I decided I would. Okay. And I followed them for a good, like, 35 minutes throughout uh-huh. town until somehow they went under this. And I know the I know the area because it was kind of near where I used to live. But you go around this bend and then you can go under a, um, a, a train overpass. Mm-hmm. And I followed them. They went under the train overpass, turned left. There is only one direction you can go. There aren't mm-hmm. any drive-offs. And I sped up around them, and I turned, and they were fucking gone. And I was Witchcraft. Like, I was like, shit, man. I bet if I could have followed them around that corner, that's when I would have found whatever it is. They were some fake creature, I'm convinced. Yeah, you, you've just been following around. <sighs> I or, almost made it to the hedge. Or you should have searched that area. Yeah, mm. that's true. Pulled over and started looking around. Yeah. Just eating yourself into bushes. <laughs> I'm I'll, in! I've made it! And I was like, nah, you're just in a bramble now. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, social test. Standard social feats modifier. We now have a table with guidelines on uh, uh, friendship and hostilities with characters. Uh, I understand a lot of people for social things because this is such a story-based game system don't really need this kind of shit. I think it's a good guideline to have for just basics like, hey, this is kind of where people are in the social tree and how they're going to react accordingly. It's an I like this as a storyteller to be like, ah, so if the this player character is at this level of uh, friendship or hostilities with an NPC, I now have a guideline and a base DC of how this interaction should start and go um, and can be calibrated according to how well the interaction goes. I think this is also useful. Like I know you've mentioned just having cheat sheets around for drunk mm-hmm. STing is great. I could also see this being really useful for like, I think most people vampire, not know more people than they could afford contacts or mm-hmm. ally dots. This is great for like, well, I know a guy, but he's not like 
quote unquote an ally so he's not just gonna do me a solid these mm-hmm. these like are good for those moments when they're like well i'm sure i know a mechanic mm-hmm. we could go talk to and then that helps set a mood for that interaction without having to like all of a sudden start spending dots or anything like that or just being like well you don't have points so you can't talk to a mechanic yeah and i think yeah, this is a good band-aid th- oh yeah for sure and uh Sometimes people will want to role play a character that is more social than they are like adept at or less social than they are. Cause I, I've had the problem where I, I am unfortunately very charismatic and I try to play characters that are not, but then I kind of oops into being charismatic anyways. So having, uh, some stats that might help like lock those things in might be a little helpful. Yeah. It's a good tool to have, but yeah, so the, the ranges go from, uh, a minus one to the DC for loyal characters to plus five to the difficulty for hostile characters that want to kill you. So super helpful little guidelines on that uh, note on the social test. If during a social test, if you decide to roll dice during the interaction, uh, if there is a crit, a character may become one more step favorable for the rest of that scene. And if there's a total failure, the character becomes one step less favorable, favorable for the rest of the scene. Uh, social test, dice roll. I feel like most of the time with interactions, you don't need to, but kind of like in that preparedness branch of if a conversation hits a point where it would be narratively interesting to have a point where things could fail, maybe chuck that out just for funsies. Just be like, okay, cool. You've given your speech, da 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 da. Do your social, social test to see if like what you said actually sticks and lands with this guy or not. And then, Mm -hmm. you know. If, if you do super good, they're going to be like, not only do I agree to this, we're bros now. <laughs> so, hmm. There are rules for, like, social combat. You wouldn't be mm-hmm. using this during social combat? I think social combat... I think this it? would go into the social combat, where yeah. it's like, if you're getting into social combat with a character that fucking hates you and is spending their time and efforts to, like... Fuck your life, uh, steal your wife, fuck your sheep, whatever the fuck they're doing. Uh, I know, right? Terrible, terribleness. Uh, I I think like these might be some fun like modifiers to add to the situation. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so th- those, I mean, those could get kind of wild then, because mm-hmm. like if you're trying to fuck with somebody's willpower, social combat wise, in front of all of their friends, and you have a thing that they're very embarrassed about, but mm-hmm. they fucking hate you and have been working to like, you know, ruin you for the past like eight years. That's a lot of modifiers you're yeah. just throwing around at the time. Yeah. It, you know, play this at the speed of plot for your game, but this is some, like, tools that hopefully help. Right, yeah. Keep like things in an understanding. Rules that yeah. you can use. I was just thinking, like, wow, that could get kind of convoluted, but also fun. Yeah. Like, and, you know, like, he really hates you, so you're going to get a plus, plus three? Yeah, a or, plus three to the difficulty. But you found out that in his day sleep, even though he's dead, he... Um, squeals like a little pig through the entire time. So that adds to your dice pool. Right. And yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And the guide also recommends um, modifying uh, the difficulties on these kind of social tests based on the power dynamics between the characters, uh, incentives that are being placed, uh, types of requests that are g- being given back and forth, etc. There's a lot that goes into it potentially, but you know things to keep in mind when you're setting these things. So hopefully, mm-hmm. hopefully having a little baseline for us to understand where things are coming from can help players and storytellers more fairly adjudicate how the roles are gonna go. So hooray! And that affects other social test bullshit like uh, intimidation and interrogation. This happens in every fucking game I have ever played. What? Every Vampires, game. intimidating, yeah. interrogating, 
Interrogations? Potentially torture? No. 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 So, uh, intimidation has two effects. There's the passive effect, which is generally how much social distance a character is given. There's no test for this. Uh, basically, a good rule of thumb is the higher their intimidate rating is, the more like space people tend to give them because they're like, "Oh, that guy, that guy's spooky." Don't fuck with this. That person. gal seems like a bitch. I don't want to fuck with that. And it's like, you know what? Fair, fair, my guy. Those knuckle tattoos say "Eat Fist." I don't want to <laughs> mess with that guy. <laughs> that guy, that guy seems like a rastabout. <laughs> uh, and then there's the active intimidation use which can be subtle coercion which is manipulate and intimidate versus composure and resolve these are things like you know uh like hey i know a guy and blah 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 or you know like hey if you fuck around too much i might take your job man i saw your mom walk into her house the other day she's a real nice lady i'm gonna tweet a picture of your daughter yeah yeah shit like that you're just like oh god yeah uh however the uh contest will go generally the loser will back down but not necessarily things beyond that it's just kind of like a oh, okay i'm spooked i'm gonna i'm gonna in, not in do the that. moment sorry, sorry. i'm at least going to yeah back off on this and then there's blatant threats <laughs> this is generally recommended to be a strength and intimidate versus composure and resolve or strength and intimidate if you're trying to you know throw each other out so with that someone still... pulls a gun you pull also pull out a gun <laughs> mm-hmm. if so say I'm using the same example as I just did. Mm-hmm. So subtle coercion being like, oh, hey, I saw your mom at, uh, at her house the other day. That's kind of cool. That's subtle coercion. But blatant threats being like, I know where she lives and I will murder her. Yeah. That's a blatant Blatant, threat. blatant threats. Yeah. Just be like, yeah, your mom's got a really nice garden. Uh, You know, I should talk to her about that. Yeah. With a gun. <laughs> right. I actually don't like talking to people very much, but. But this knife. I do like to shout. I <laughs> Hold do. up gun. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's a little loud. If we're having a quieter conversation, look at this knife I have, you know, or fangs, you know, claws. You got options. Right. Just gestures to the body of the poor person that you've beaten the shit out of. Be like, you know, I don't want to work your mother over, but, you know, eh. yeah. So those are options. Uh, much like the subtle coercion, the loser will back down. Um, and a character, the character with the lower strength takes the margin as superficial health damage. So mm. even if like you are less powered and you win the conversation, uh, you're you're not going to be getting out of that without some like scrapes and bumps and right because you're still punching someone if you're doing that potentially. So, like, yeah, yeah, you punch somebody in the face, you can break your hand. Doesn't matter how strong you are. Yeah, so you know, uh, it's like yeah, you win, but you got a bloody nose. Right. So you know, there's. Things with that. And then interrogation, as the guy uh, delightfully put it, is asking questions with leverage. <laughs> I hate that so much, but it's true. Anywho, uh, this can be done with uh, teamwork with two or more interrogators, if you want. Good cop, bad cop. Good cop, bad cop. That's a classic. That's a standard. You can go full Guantanamo Bay and have a system and like be super fucked up. It's your bad game. Cop, bad cop, bad cop. Bad cop, bad cop, bad cop, bad cop worst cop <laughs> you could go the mafia route with a cigar cutter oh yeah mm. or meat oh, cleaver yeah oh yeah Woo. well if you have a zamitzi in your party you don't even have to have those you are the cigar cutter. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah uh calibrate this according to the comfy levels of your game obviously yes but there's that you can do a peaceful interrogation uh which would be manipulate and insight versus wit and composure so that'd be your class of like detective asking questions 
Uh, you're having an actual courtroom scene because, you know, hunters might be stuck at court. Uh, you could have a courtroom scene at Elysium. So if you wanted to, like, do a good cop, bad cop, would you maybe do, like, a uh, intimidate with the good cop, bad cop thing and then shortly after... Well, you might God, have... Good cop, or bad cop leaves, good cop is now trying to reason with, mm -hmm. and so you could roll this. Yeah, okay. so good cop generally, I think, would have the, the peaceful interrogation yeah. roles, and then there's violent interrogations, uh, which the guide recommends manipulate and intimidate versus composure and resolve. Is that the Batman? Yes. Okay. Where is she? Where is she? Yeah. <laughs> that kind of shit. Uh, this can be done physically or mentally, resulting in corresponding health or willpower damage. Mm, okay. A. So it's consider considered violent, even if you're just like really owning someone to you the point where they start taking damage. Oh yeah, you could do emotional damage. So you can just neg okay. someone for interrogation. Mm-hmm. All right. Oh yeah, you could do a lot of psychological damage. You can do if you really want to get into the fucked upness, do like actual psychological interrogation techniques that have been uh codified by various governments around the world and uh you know just like you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna lock this guy in a room and i'm gonna play a really annoying song really loud or like rabbits screaming like they did to people at waco and all mm -hmm. sorts of, there's there's tons of options that are all delightfully terrible Woo! again this is a uh do what is comfy at the level of your table please i think one of the wildest ones um, have you ever heard of Operation Wandering Soul? I believe it was yes. deployed during Vietnam. But what they did was they took speakers and they made recordings that they thought that the Vietnamese would take as it, the dead souls of their ancestors coming back. Mm. And they would play them out over speakers over their battlefield to scare them away. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. There's shit like that. Um, I know involving stuff with the Iraq and Afghanistan war, there's a lot of like blaring new metal at captives for hours. Uh, also Sesame Street and kids shows, just tons of just wackadoo shit. Yeah. Um, yeah, you have lots of options there. Uh, Would you rather be locked in a room with the um, Sesame Street song mm -hmm. playing at like ear splitting decibels for like six days? Or would you rather be locked in a room with one single tone that's like an ear splitting. Oh, I'd rather have the tone. The tone. Yeah. Exponentially would rather have the tone. You can learn how to like tone that out relatively well. Or if it's super loud, that'll just deaden. Like that'll actually mm -hmm. break that frequency in your ears. Oh yeah, that's why that's why the recordings mm -hmm. would get changed up. Yeah. I know way too much about torture. It's awful. Uh yeah. But uh, note from the, the guide, uh, regardless of the outcome of the contest or conflict round, torture damages the subject. They take one point of aggravated damage for each point of their own resolve. Holy shit. Yeah. So if you're going to torture somebody, it's bad news bears. This yeah. is, I like that the game system is taking this seriously because dear God, I've been in so many games where they're like, yeah, we're just going to interrogate a guy. And I'm like, you're working a guy over. You're literally torture. This is torture. Like, why, why am I the only one that's like, don't do this. Like, this is fucked up. I would also say based on your players, mm -hmm. humanity scores, they might also start uh taking some at there, least there are notes about that too. Okay. yay on a total total failure so if you do this role the for the violent interrogation and it goes super sideways uh the torture subject enters torpor goes mad or just dies i mean that makes sense yeah yep if you're taking like drills to people's kneecaps they might bleed out yeah this might turn into a uh, uh reservoir dogs like this the camera cuts away mm-hmm and then you're just like, 
me being a bitchy ST, like, oh, what's your role? Okay, cool. I'm going to describe the scene cutting away. We're going to go do some other stuff and then come back and be like, the subject is dead. <laughs> what? They're dead. They died. You have a milkshake. <laughs> go. Like, what? Why are you like this? I'm like, look, it's fine. Uh, note uh, from the guide. Uh, this might not give PCs accurate intel doing this whole project. Especially after torture, a subject often skews the details or invents extra facts based on what they think the interrogator wants to hear. The storytellers, I would say, uh, this is very, very important because I, through my years of Dungeons and Dragons and Pathfinder, let alone World of Darkness, the amount of times characters get rewarded with accurate and good intel based off of doing torture is fucking insane. Yeah. And that needs to not be a thing. I think the only time I've done that mm -hmm. was we were in the dungeon of the cultist trying to end the world. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, we're going to kill this guy anyway. Dangle him first. <laughs> and you were like, you were like, <laughs> you guys are awful good guys. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, it's like even in, what was it? I think it's blade three. There's a section of the movie where blades like dangling people off of buildings and shit. Uh, like I think Hellboy does it too. There's a lot of people who do shit that essentially is torture and essentially war crimes and just gets rewarded yeah. constantly with like accurate and good intel. And I'm like, don't, that's one, that's not actually how any of that works. Like that's just not how it works too. Uh, don't, because like the stories you and your friends are telling each other does imply how you guys kind of view reality and how the world works. So like maybe just kind of keep that in mind a little. And also if you're playing a vampire chronicle, uh, torture is often a fast track to earning stains. And in any chronicle, it's morally bankrupt behavior, just like in real life. Yay. So yeah, you got a vampire that's like, I'm going to torture this guy for info. I'm like, you're getting stains, buddy. That's just happening. Like how many you take is entirely dependent on you, but you're getting them. Um, I'm pretty sure this is actually stated, but I don't remember. Mm. At what point uh, in humanity do you stop getting stains for that kind of thing? You don't. Really? You can be a one humanity and still take stains for it? Because you'd think yeah. that like at one humanity, you're just like, I just don't give a fuck anymore. I mean, I, as the storyteller, would give you stains for doing torture regardless of just what you're- Just as a deterrent for like, don't fucking torture people, guys. Yeah. Now, you have a big wiggle room of how many stains you can get before, you know, it really becomes a problem for you. But, right. you know, there's still the chance that this is the straw that breaks the camel's back. And now I take your character sheet because you're a white. Right. You've now become an NPC. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Good job, my friend. Fair enough. Uh, you won vampire, I guess. Well, your beast did. Your beast won. <laughs> I won. It's mine now. Uh, so on lighter notes, seduction. Hooray. The thing that happens all the time in World of Darkness. Uh, the guide recommends uh, situation and style of flirting depend will determine the dice pool. And it gives a bunch of suggestions. So like uh, standard seduction will be like charisma and subterfuge. But if you're somebody who's like doing a formal flirtation and a gentry high society thing, it might be composure and etiquette. Uh, if you're using that riz at the bar to pick up so-and-sos, that might be charisma and insight. To see if what you're doing actually works. Uh, if you're using the Riz at the gym, that might be manipulate and athletics to be like, look how swole I am. Uh, or however, whatever athletic thing you're trying to, I don't sports. Uh, if you're doing like a cafe meet cute and you're trying to like finagle a situation to get intel or whatever, that might be like a, a wits and subterfuge. Yeah, you, there's a lot of options. Eh. Change it as you need. And then as a player, you could easily like roll a an awareness type of thing to get a, get, a, get an idea of if you're trying to manipulate this person of what they would respond to. Yeah, well, but like it, insight, but yeah. Insight, yeah, yeah, yeah sorry, yeah. sorry. No, you're good. Uh, the guy does say that the looks merit 
should help with nearly all of these pools. There might be a situation where you're like, I'm going to go flirt with this person. You are absolutely just not their bag. That happens. I tried to do that um, in the game you were an NPC mm-hmm. in to the whip. Yeah, how'd that go? Well, first of all, apparently she doesn't like dudes very much. Sick. Um, and second of all, uh, she did not find it all that amusing. <laughs> <laughs> you could be you could be dripping with all, everything and still just be like that you're just absolutely not their bag and that's yeah. fine yeah. it yep. just happens uh supernatural characters may have extra powers and abilities as well to account for in these situations i super appreciated what the, the guide wrote which is note that seduction implies some amount of sexuality and desire for intimacy intimacy of some kind with others some players may be uncomfy with certain expressions of seduction or descriptions of amorous contact. Be sure to establish boundaries and maintain standards of respectful play. Each of the World of Darkness core books has appendices devoted to this kind of respectful play. Fuck yeah. Friend flirting is great. I'm super into it. Some people are fucking not, and that's totally fine. Mm -hmm. Just talk about it like adults, please. And be respectful. There was that. Yep. Uh... Last couple of notes real quick. Uh, combat actions and conflicts. There's two sections. Super fucking helpful. I wish I had these better uh, in my brain pan when I was storytelling more often. Uh, reloading and tracking ammo. Uh, reloading takes two dice minor action for most weapons. For those of you who don't understand, minor actions subtract dice from your character's main action. The storyteller might put a cap on how many are possible in one exchange. Readying a weapon. Handling equipment moving more than a few steps or running an errand typing in passwords are examples of minor actions depending on the scenario you're in so Mm. if you're you're taking a turn and you have a dice pool and you want to do readying actions they just take away from the dice pool because it means you have less time to do the thing so therefore you're less likely to be successful in the main thing you want to do i think that's a really fun and easy rule of thumb to keep on hand for doing things particularly in combats hell yeah uh An attack test is often more than one shot. When the fuck do you reload? Uh, The guide recommends revolvers and small capacity firearms. After one attack, you might need to spend a small action to do a reload. Hmm. Automatic pistols and rifles after two attacks. If you have a 30 plus mag (laughs) after three attacks. So it's presuming, I assume, that you're firing more than one shot then. Potentially, yes. I like and dislike that. Mm -hmm. Because like... I mean, I guess in a firefight, you would probably just want to pull the trigger as much as you can. The more bullets you put at someone, the more likely you're to hit. But, like, my thought is, like, with a revolver, if it's a six-shot revolver, I don't know that I would, in a firefight, just be like, pop, 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 pop. Yeah. You know what I mean? The the general rule of thumb is, according to the guide in most combat scenarios, every time you're taking a turn in a, a violent conflict that you were trying to maximize as much damage as possible. Right. If you wish to not... Let that be known, because that is the assumption as the storytellers. You are trying to, as quickly and violently as possible and aggressively as possible, take out your opponent. Mm-hmm. Now, if you have tactics or if you're somebody that's like, I'd rather take three shots and then, you know, hold. And then get behind cover or something. Yeah, well, getting behind cover would be the minor action. So, right, right. Yeah, I would be like, okay, cool. Yeah, you can do that. And depending on the scenario, I might ask you to take a die away for doing the auction or... Instead of having to do the reload the next round, you just have the three rounds. And, right. And it also just depends on how granular you want to be on your game, because mm-hmm. I'm not a guns person. So having these vague rules of uh, 
engagement are nice for me because I don't fucking know how many rounds are in every type of mag for every fucking gun. Right. But you and some of our other friends that are into like paramilitary shit know the fuck out of that. And I'm like, I need y'all to tell me because I don't fucking know. I trust you to not fuck me over on this. (laughs) Maybe this is just Mm -hmm. when I think about game design and the way we describe and run combats. Mm -hmm. I'd always seen it as um, if you're firing to shoot at someone, you pull the trigger once. That if you have an ability that or, you know, some games have action economies where you can take multiple actions, you can attack twice Mm -hmm. or something. If you're doing it twice, you're pulling the trigger twice, one for each attack roll. Um, That's the way I'd always ran it. And then like, if you have an odd, the the game has rules for automatic weapons and how Mm -hmm. those work, then you're firing off volleys and stuff like that. But it seems like it's implying that an attack roll is more than a single bullet, which I think is almost just interesting um, from a design standpoint Mm -hmm. and what it's saying about the bullet and how much damage they're doing. Yeah, and there's also just having, you know, this is America and having been around a fair amount of gun violence... It's very rare when I've heard people shoot pistols that they only shoot one round. It'll be like one, one, two, three, four, five. So depending on how much realism you want in your game or like, again, how granular you want to be. Obviously, this this is guidelines. You can augment this as you need. But I think this is just a good like rule of thumb. So if somebody's walking around with a revolver, maybe after their second attack, ask them to do a fucking reload. Yeah, I was about to say. And also, you might be able to kind of play with that a little bit for how many dots the person has in firearms. Mm-hmm. Because if someone has one dot in firearms, then they've bought a gun, they've gone to a, the range a few times, but they probably haven't practiced enough to keep themselves cool in that kind of scenario. So they're going to be like, pop, 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 pop. Mm-hmm. Where someone who spends four hours at the range every two days is going to be a lot more practiced and going to be a lot more cool-headed around a firearm. So they yeah. may be able to be like, okay, I own, uh, you know, they may do the same amount of damage mm-hmm. because they're actually able to take the time to aim instead of just squeezing off as many yeah. shots as possible. Yeah, and like depending on uh, like character uh, comfort with uh, violent scenarios like this, somebody who has like a military training background, I might knock the uh, the reload from being two dice penalty to one because it's just mm-hmm. such an automatic thing for them. Right. Or, you know, somebody who's super not practiced in it, like me, I might be like, reloading might be your whole turn depending on the kind of firearm you have just because you're just where's like... Where's the button? Where's that, the button? <laughs> like, well, like, even if you're not doing where's the button, you might just be, like, shaking and just so, like, ah. Yeah. Like, I might ask for resolve and composure rule and if, like, if you pass, then I'm like, okay, cool, yeah, you can reload and do your action like normal at the minus two. Yeah. Or, I mean, you know... I mean, there's a reason that's something that, like, I think famously, even in, like, movies and stuff, that mm-hmm. that's something you have to train for as, like, a soldier or something is reloading under pressure and quickly and efficiently and not dropping stuff. Like, that takes a lot of skill, mm-hmm. even though I think sometimes the movies and stuff make it look easy. It's, like, to do that quickly and efficiently and pull stuff out of pockets and stuff, that... Right. I mean, that just, whilst just, under just the shows whilst how... under the stress of like being actively fired upon, it just shows like how how many quote unquote dots those people have in that skill. Like they've yeah. spent time getting good at it, which is why in the movies or when you watch like soldiers mm-hmm. do it, it looks fucking easy. They just do it. But I'll tell you what: after having a gun with a magazine, that I've been like, I wonder how easy that actually is. It's not. <laughs> It's not. It's not. You got to practice that shit. Yeah. So, you know, uh, considering how lethal 
World of Darkness games can be with that kind of shit, this might be a good, like, way to not force people to kill each other immediately. Yeah. If you're like, time to, for somebody to get away while right. someone's reloading. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Or, you know, the, the enemy is having to reload, like vice versa. Like the enemy's having to reload, so now you have a chance to get in and like right. do something about it. Mm-hmm. Not that we have to think about that constantly. Anywho, called shots. Uh, a combatant may seek to distract or to direct their attacks at a specific part of their target in order to produce a result other than the maximal physical trauma and are also used when attempting decapitation or when trying to put a stake in the heart of a vampire. This is when call shots happen. God damn it, call shots come up all the goddamn time and I'm always like, I don't know what the fuck, eh, what the rule is. Here's some good rules. Uh, the attacker declares action and target before the roll. After the roll, attacker subtracts their successes based on the difficulty of their target. So you roll your full pool, whatever the margin would be, you will subtract from that because this is basically what the disadvantage for doing such a specific target is. So usually it would be a minus two most of the time for most called shots. Hitting a larger target might be a minus one. So if you're like aiming for the tire of a car, that might be a minus one instead of a minus two. Smaller targets could get you up to minus four. And that might be like shooting out fuel lines, like trying to snipe somebody from like 500 yards away. Using your rapier to cut somebody's eye. Yeah, that kind of shit. So, you know, play with this within bounds of reason. Uh, This shot generally is used to incapacitate or hinder. So more often than not, this will result, not result in more damage as compared to a regular attack. Now, uh, if somebody's specifically aiming for a headshot, slightly different. Turn it into pink mist. Yeah. So, you know, but that might be a, uh, I, I as a storyteller, be like, I mean, if you want to, if you want to turn that guy into confetti, I might suggest you hitting a crit. Otherwise, I mean, like, yeah, the guy's down. Mm-hmm. He's dead, but, like, it's gurgling and gross and not a... Right. That was not a clean shot. You did it, but, like, oof. Somebody's going to go ahead and finish that up. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Um, and I'm going to make you. <laughs> or not. I mean, you could just leave him. You could just leave him there. You might get a stain. <laughs> um, <laughs> Would... I mean, I for me, if I was running the game, I definitely mm-hmm. would because I like to encourage people describing exactly how they're doing their actions in mm-hmm. combat and whatnot so like you know i want to do a called shot to someone's leg mm-hmm. i've got a sword mm-hmm. if i am saying okay i'm not trying to stab this thing i'm just trying to swing it at their legs mm-hmm. that would that would be the minus two then yeah basically you'd you'd roll the dice pool like you're doing a normal sword attack but you've already preemptively called i am trying to sweep the legs johnny on this person and i'm like okay cool uh roll the pool and then because you're using the sword the way you normally wouldn't or you're trying to do it in an, a incapacitating as opposed to lethal. An advanced tactic or swing. Yeah, basically. So then once you have that, then that's your margin of success. So hopefully mm. that'll make your swing a little less, uh, I'm taking the leg. <laughs> right. And more, I've maybe cut the leg a little bit, but knock this fucker over. Yeah, like you cut some tendons, they're not going anywhere. Right. Okay. So, cool. Hopefully that is helpful for people. That's all, That those were the highlights for me that I was like, thank you. This is this is a shit I'm going to put into my pocket for later use. Yeah. Hurrah. Me too. And I believe this is the part of the episode where I take the lead. Uh-oh. Um, bum, bum, bum. So this is what this originally started out as, and the scope of the two things we are uh, writing the script about kind of flip-flopped. Yep. Um, <laughs> Sorry, dude. <laughs> no, I mean, it happens. It's also just the content of what it ended up being. Uh, so there is this, what we were, we've been talking about so far is all in the World of Darkness expanded options PDF. 
Uh, that is all. Everything previous is, is that. There's also another free download. I got this off the Renegade site. It might be on the World of Darkness site too, but I know it's on the Renegade website. Mm. And it's called um, Hunter Bonus Content. And from the design, the layout, and some of the things, it feels like these were things that may have originally intended to be in the book and were cut for page count. I know they openly admitted that there's a lot that got cut out. So, but these are um, five different downloads that come in as a group. Um, and I'm going to say right ahead, it says Hunter. These, almost all of these could be used for any other World of Darkness setting. They're all pretty good information. Um, so let's jump into that. If you're looking for a little more for Hunter, this would be good, but you could use this for Vampire too. The first one is the one that is Hunter exclusive, and it is just the character creation summary sheet. It's two pages, and it's a list of everything that goes into making a character and a summation of what they are and where they are. Holy shit, I wish this was in the original book. Yeah. Character creation is the one thing that I think everyone who I ran for struggled with because this sheet wasn't in there. Now, I don't know how soon after the book that this came out, and I'm not going to fault them for that, but if you're running Hunter, make sure you give these pages to your players. Just print them out, put them in like little protective sheets, and just stick them in your book. Just yeah. fucking keep them in these, there. These are really great. Um, there's not a whole lot to really break down. We did our Hunter episode already, but I think this is a really important thing to have, even if you have one copy on the table while everyone's putting their character together so they can go back and make sure they did everything. Essential pages. Download these. They're free. Um, there are also two dice sheets. There's mm -hmm. one for STs and one for players. Um, and they're essentially letting you know when and how to roll dice. Um, again, these are great for new players. If you've played World of Darkness or other games or ran them, you probably don't need these, but they are good drunk resources too. Mm -hmm. Um, so they are one page flow sheets. They're super simple. Um, and they're things like, um, is, is there a reasonable chance that your players will fail this roll? No, don't roll dice. It's like that kind of flow chart um, where it goes through and you have you weigh the options of what you're doing and it helps you determine difficulty and that sort of thing. Yeah. Might also be helpful for people that are converting from a D20 system to a storytelling system and they're just like, I'm used to rolling for a da 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 and I'm like, you don't have to roll as fucking much. It's yeah. okay. Yeah, and then the other one is helping determine what attributes you should use for different roles, and it's good for players, so you can, it, it, I think it, it's encouraging you to, you to suggest how and what dice roles you use to achieve things, instead of the ST just saying, roll this. Yeah, so, or if you want I really to like doing that, mm -hmm. and it's, it's kind of a problem, because I've noticed that I'm bringing it into other systems, too. <gasps> oh, no! So I'm playing a game, like, I mean, it's not really a problem, because I think it's good for story regardless, but mm -hmm. like... Poor Hunter is running a Call of Cthulhu game in our Discord server, and I'm running an occultist who that's, like, in the story that I kind of made for him, that's all he gives a fuck about. Mm -hmm. Like, he's, like, the flighty, rich occultist that's, like, still going to college at 40 years old in the <laughs> 20s just so he has access to the library. Mm -hmm. You know, that kind of guy. Um, and I roll a cult for everything. And half the time it doesn't give me the information that I need or want, but I think it's fun to be, like, oh, we just found these crazy worms that are, like, eating things, and they don't seem very natural. And I'm like, I'm rolling a cult on it. <laughs> I'm sure at some point Hunter's like, why? All right, man, go for it. <laughs> Look, if you keep rolling, that he's going to start giving you information you didn't want to know. I want to know it. That's the thing. But I, do you? Yes. It's, it's a one-shot. <laughs> I want this character either goes insane and die, die, or go insane. 
by the end of it. <laughs> so I think this is a good time to talk about that too. Um, I generally just change the information that you're going to get if you use a separate role. Mm-hmm. So like say the, I'm going to use a different example just because like campaign hasn't finished yet. Right. But like say your characters find a weird jar full of like dirt and bone and a bunch of stuff and you roll a cult in, in int on it, you're going to say, oh, well, this might be this sort of ceremony jar or this might be this or that. Mm-hmm. But say someone runs like, well, I want to know, like in Call of Cthulhu, they have like natural world, which is like nature knowledge and stuff. And they mm-hmm. roll it on that and they're like, well, that's really interesting because based on the soil composition and the trees, this is dirt from this area, which you're not going to get that from an occult role, but you could get from natural. Yeah. Well, right. like tying it into world of darkness. Uh, yeah. So if you get the, the jar of dirt with accoutrement in it, uh, somebody running a science role might be able to identify what animal the bones are or might have specialty in geology and be able to tell you more things about the soil. And you can actually like trace what part of the county this soil was collected from specifically pretty cool um you could get craft and have people that are like oh i know this jar because you can get it at this hobby shop and you can trace back to the hobby shop and be like hey so do you guys keep inventory on these jars like yeah, someone who does like forensics and stuff and be well i found fingerprints on the jar mm-hmm. yeah there yeah are, that's an investigate yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of ways to uh skin a dead uh clue that you found in a game um <laughs> yeah and it is okay for you as the player to be like hey i spent dots and xp on these things for my character hey storyteller can i do a cool thing and be like yes please do your cool thing i'm here for you to do cool things that's the whole reason we're hanging out it's the truth yes yeah yeah. It is the number one rule. <laughs> the number two rule. What's number one rule? Uh, there are no rules that don't work for your campaign. Ah, yes. yes. Rule zero is like, don't be a dick. Yeah. Rule zero, don't be a dick. Rule one, uh, if you need to change the rules to make things work, it's, go for it. Fine. Then rule, rule three. Cool. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, Sorry for that spike in volume. <laughs> it's okay. I, didn't, I don't think it peaked. Okay. Um, but... Uh, yeah, so these are, I would print all three of these out and just have them access if you're a new player or you have new players at your table, just uh, for quick reference. They're great to have. Uh, they, they, I think they really make the game way more newbie friendly because mm-hmm. they just break down the thought system of rolling dice and what's happening down very simply. Um, another thing we got in this packet is a new um, adventure outline, I guess you call it, monster write-up. It's called The Lovers. Um, it's a ghost story. Ooh. I don't know. I won't go into super spoilers here. I might spoil it a little bit. Um, hopefully, what I've said so far won't spoil it. I've never had an ST that specifically said, all right, we're running this adventure by name. Oh, yeah. Unless no. it's like we're running Curse of Strahd or like uh, the big Call of Cthulhu and what is it? The Innsmouth? Uh, I can't remember. It doesn't matter. Yeah. But unless you're running like a big box set where it's like, we are running this campaign specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully, but it is interesting because it's a ghost story though. Again, I personally think this could be an interesting story to run with vampires. There are vampires who have abilities and interact with ghosts. Mm-hmm. Um, and unless they're super powerful, they're not going to control ghosts. So you could even have a crossover event where you're like, your little hunter cell is like, we need to call in a guy fuck i don't want to call in terry he's dick and a vampire and a vampire vampire. so we gotta meet him late Um, (laughs) bullshit i have to work in the morning but yeah i've been up since 3 a.m for work all right yeah it's it's a it's a really cool like (laughs) 
two-page little outline and information you can flesh it out into an adventure i think it'd be really cool um i mean pretty much every world of darkness flat would have a reason for wanting to deal with it werewolves you know respect the spirits of the dead and that sort of thing mm-hmm. i assume they have to kind of carry over like mages might just be like well what the fuck's going on i want to learn about it like it's a good one it's specific it says it's for hunter you could use it for anything i would um and the last thing is fucking amazing and i think you should give it to your players of any games because a lot of players don't use these anyway and they're cool. It is a sheet for generating touchstones and samples. Hell yes. Um, they are listed in lists of 10 mm-hmm. um, of different types and they're labeled 1 to 10. So if you can't decide, you roll a dice and you get nice. your touchstones that way. Yeah. I think definitely would be great for hunters, definitely great for vampires. I assume we're going to get werewolf and mage touchstones, it seems. I I enjoy this. I, as a storyteller, will be like, all right, if I get another motherfucker, give me their character sheet with convictions and no touchstones, I'm going to ping you and be like, hey, you got one chance. You make somebody or I'm rolling you somebody. Yeah. I'm going to give you a friend. Whether you want it or not. You're getting a friend. Or if you want to be... What I've done is, you know, there's that list of 100 victims in the vampire book. You could use that, too. That's another list of 100 people who could also become a one-sentence touchstone. Mm -hmm. But I think pretty much all of these, except the character creation sheet, you could use in your vampire game with new players or just in general. They're great. It's it's cool. It's all in the hunter art style, but it's free. Go download it. Um, I like the hunter art style. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It is good. Uh, another thing Sarah noted here, though, is that the upcoming Hunter the Reckoning 5th edition role-playing game Storyteller Screen Kit. What a fucking mouthful. Yep. Um, that's come out. It's, uh, has some, I believe it's going to have adventures. Um, uh, well, okay, so here's the thing. So there's two different books, and this is where I got fucked. And okay. also your research and mine kind of crossed. So the Storyteller Screen Kit I pre-ordered because I was like, I would like to have the Storyteller Screen because I just like having that, because if it's anything like the vampire one, super fucking helpful, has loads of charts. I like that shit. Also lets me hide my dice, and there's cool art on it, and I like orange. So, hooray, I'm excited for this. But there's a PDF book that comes with information on running the games and stuff for your storytellers. Within the Storyteller Screen Kit Guidebook, there's a 15-page section that is literally almost all of the exact same info and the stuff that I covered earlier with the Storyteller's Expanded Guide. Nice. Okay, cool. So, cross over there. Um, Yeah, because for some reason, I got crisscross applesauced and thought that this Storyteller System Expanded Guide was going to be more combat-focused and have some more information about things, and it didn't, but it had a bunch of info I wanted anyway, so, like, no harm, no foul. Cool. Glad to have it. But whilst I was checking to see if this storyteller screen kit was still for pre-order, I noticed there was another Hunter the Reckoning book that I had literally not heard fuck all about until I happened to see it this morning as of recording. And it is still in pre-order. It is called Hunter the Reckoning 5th Edition Role-Playing Game Lines Drawn in Blood Chronicle Book. There's an adventure book for Hunter, and I had no fucking idea. And from the looks of it, it's going to be four adventures that can be run separately Mm -hmm. or as a campaign, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is the one thing I said that this game needed more than anything from my review and playtesting of it is having example adventures and how some of these mechanics are supposed to be rolled and implied. And they're doing that. Thank God. It's coming out in June this year, supposedly. And I'm like, good. Again, you guys can go ahead and just put us in the writing credits in the back of the book. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. I'm scared. If 
people in World of Darkness branding are listening to us and being like, these fucking chuckle fucks actually have good ideas. And I'm like, God damn it. Cool. I'm glad, but also scared. Hi. Hit us up. We'll give them to you direct. <laughs> you can do that or you could just uh, find our Patreon. Yeah. Um, anyway. Well, you don't have to give us credit if you give us money. <laughs> uh, look, I... I would. I'm gonna laugh really hard if that's where the corn tub kicks in. Oh god! Yeah. <laughs> oh god! What have I done? <laughs> Jason Carl buys you the corn tub. <laughs> Jason Carl, if you're listening to this, I'll I'll call you out in a corn tub. Don't worry. We'll, we'll you give want, you we'll give you a can, shout out. It can be an anonymous corn tub if you don't want everyone to know that you got me the corn tub. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. <laughs> that is entirely fair. <laughs> but yeah, I am excited for that. I'm pre-ordering the book because I. I okay. I own. I'm a little bit more of a hunter, the visual player than a hunter, the reckoning, from the first Ed. But I do love hunter games so fucking much. So I'm kind of excited to be like, cool. I would love to run this shit in the fifth Ed system. I have not felt that I had quite enough tools to run something adequately. But with this, hopefully, maybe we can start. And by we, I mean I can start to run hunter campaigns in the Discord. Maybe yeah, cool. that would be sick. Hey guys, you want me to run a game and just give you all a lot of paranoia about the government? I can do that. Yay. Hey. I play games to escape my life. <laughs> I know, but I like social commentary yeah. and you know, I spend all this time reading about the Black Panthers. I might as well use it. <laughs> all right. So, we we did it. That's our little click capsule review on more mechanics for the game. And also, there's some cool stuff with Hunter the Reckoning in the pipeline. Yeah, hopefully hopefully that this fixes the issues I had with the game because I did really like what it was going for. Um, and I'm really excited to see what they do with it. Because mm -hmm. uh, like Sarah said, I I think the longest game we've ever had as a group was Hunter the Vigil. Yeah. I think I ran it on and off for like six years. Yeah. It was a long... Long ass time. Also, the, the weird little nugget of hope for like Mage 5. Yes. I'm just like, please... Please give it to me, please. Because mm -hmm. I would, I enjoy Mage, but some of it is very obtuse and not beginner friendly. So like, uh, it's hard to be like, hey friends, let's play this game. Unless you're like really into World of Darkness and or enjoying substances. Yeah. And I, I also feel just really bad for anyone who tries to ST like Mage 20, who's not like got as a new ST or mm -hmm. as like someone who's not ST'd or played it before. Like the, that M20 book is so fucking intimidatingly big. It, it It's a tome. It is. I feel like if any game could use a little bit of a streamline and then expand, it's mage. You can give me 40 fucking books of extra content for mage and I will eat it up. Please just a base level. <laughs> Get, give yeah. us a nice core book with like a, Hey, Here's Paradox. Here's like some basics on different spheres. And uh, here's how to adjudicate that. And then beyond that, just make up whatever the fuck you're going to make up. And I'm like, cool, I can do that. Mm -hmm. Just give me give me a frame. Give me a frame. Please give me a frame. Because goddamn it, dealing with mages in the LARP through the V20 or like the, the 20th uh, edition rules. I'm just sitting here like, fuck, I'm so glad. I've not had to ST the system yet. Jesus Christ. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, thank you, Paralyzed, for music, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. As always. Not a guess. It's a fucking great song. It, it, um, it's a banger. They exist on Bandcamp. Check do. them out. There um, goes the doo-doo-doo-doo. Doo-doo-doo-doo. Yeah, you, yes. heard, you heard it at the beginning there. Yep. Uh, that's why it's called a theme song. Um, we also exist on the Twitter at blank underscore bodies. Um, at Instagram at Blank Bodies Pod, 
same with the tumblr and then there's a tiktok at blank bodies podcast um we the twitter is the big one but the twitter world just keeps getting worse uh so uh, we're trying to figure out where we're going to go but like everyone else it seems like nobody knows nobody um, knows and the government might take away tiktok so we don't fucking know i was excited for tiktok because there's a lot of really cool world of darkness related community and content stuff there including people like playing out their chronicles through stitches on tiktok and shit it's crazy it's great but it's god it's cool but like god damn it apparently apparently uh china is gonna get into my wi-fi so <laughs> we can't have nice things um but yeah uh if you consider us a nice thing uh we do have a patreon if you want to like chuck us a couple of bucks uh we have different tiers that give you access to things on the discord the discord is free but if you want extra cookie points as well as like voting in polls that help us decide what the fuck we're doing uh we're trying to get back into doing our monthly movie nights um there's tiers that i will do character illustrations for you so hooray um we still have not officially added corn tub to the list, but it's on there. It's a joke tier. Don't worry about it. Uh, there's also the blood box, blood tier. That's also a joke tier. But if you want to give us money, cool. All I'm saying is my shoulders and neck are fucked up. Mm -hmm. If I soak in a hot tub, eat some corn, talk about um, chaos magic. Yeah. It would probably be good for my stress levels. It would. And all that has to happen is somebody has to give us a thousand dollars a month. A month. <laughs> I think it's important to note that it's a month. I yes. mean, it's still cheaper than therapy in the United States. It's so, ayo. Oh, damn. damn. Um, I'll also add with those polls. Um, those help us determine our who we focus on our clan episodes. We have the Nosferatu coming up soon um we are also talking about figuring out episodes we want to do mm -hmm. i've done it before and i'll probably be running some what are you guys interested in that's not going to be a win-lose thing but it's a gauging interest thing so um we want to make sure we write scripts and do research on shit y'all actually want and or need uh also we might have to change up our clan poll things a little bit because apparently elon musk has decided to take away polls on twitter unless you pay for blue and we're not doing that shit yeah, so we'll either going to have to use something like Survey Monkey, or, or it might just be a Patreon exclusive. My, I like the idea of making it a Patreon exclusive at this point. Yeah, um, let us know in the Discord. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And if you're in the Patreon chat, let us know. Yeah, because because uh, you know the the Muskrat is uh, a menace and is now fucking with my ability to do the show, and I'm pissed. Yeah. So I think we should make an alternate account mm -hmm. as a large corporation. Get the blue check mark for mm -hmm. that. We'll pay for that. That's okay. But then we'll just run all of our vampire polls <laughs> as Target or whatever. There we go. Uh, I know, but that involves giving Elon money. That's fair. Yeah. If somebody could steal a crypto wallet and then use that to fund <laughs> this joke, I'm down. <laughs> Feel free to give us any stolen crypto money you want, as yes. long as it can't be traced back to us. Hell yeah. yeah. Uh, we also have an interview series. Uh, we've had creators that are official with World of Darkness. We've had people doing their own DIY shit. Uh, we have people that do their own podcast music. And if you want to share any of that cool stuff, we're here to share cool stuff. Yeah, I love doing these interview episodes. It's uh, pretty chill. We just sit down, chat, talk about whatever it is you're working on. Uh, I have a couple in mind that I'm going to be reaching out. But if you have a cool project that you think our listeners would like to hear about it, let me know. I might interview for you for the show. Hell yeah. Or if you're a real vampire. We're also looking for vampires... Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would like I would looking. love, absolutely love to have an interview with a vampire. I've still not watched the new series from AMC yet. Oh, me neither. 
It looks really good. I just I've not it? had time. I don't trust it. I'm bad at watching TV shows that um I have to pay attention to mm. um because I, I struggle to watch TV shows in the evening. So uh-huh. I usually have them on in the background when I'm working on other things, and so it's not a hundred percent attention. Mm-hmm. So like just reruns of Xavier, Renegade Angel, or like Space Ghost or Sightings <laughs> are mostly my jam <laughs> these days if I'm watching a TV show, but. Fair. I like Space Ghost. Space Ghost and good. Sightings. I'm not a huge fan of Xavier. That's too bad. Um, <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Jesus. Anyway, um, I think we're out of things to say. We, we are. Uh, goodbye. Oh, I have a lot of stuff I could goodbye. say. Goodbye. But I guess I'll just say goodbye and that I love you. I gotcha. Hey. <laughs>